Today's reading is taken from Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 to 11. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, "Why do your disciples break the tradition of elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat." Jesus replied, "And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said." Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father or mother with it. Thus, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites! Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, "Listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouths—that is what defiles them." This is the word of the Lord. Alexei, if you can keep your Bibles open to Matthew 15, that would be great. But let's pray that God will speak to us this morning. Lord, we give you great praise and thanks for these words. They are living words. They are words that you have spoken, and they are words that speak to us. Lord, we pray now that you would fill us with your Spirit, open our eyes, see the truth, to see the truths of your Word, that we might be changed by it, and that we might live our lives in the light of it. In Jesus' name, Amen. Most often, it's not the written law that guides our lives, but unwritten rules. In many Asian countries like Hong Kong, there is that unstated rule about who pays over meals. Mary told me off once because when Mary's parents came, I fought for every single bill, um, but because I thought that that's what you're supposed to do. But apparently, you are kind of you're supposed to do that. But also, there is unstated rules about who pays, right? So as you fight for these bills, then you're to understand that actually you show you 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 do that fight for a few minutes and then you back off <laughs> because. <laughs> Because that person is supposed to pay. This is something that people understand. Well, I didn't really know. <laughs> the traditions, these rules, might be clear to those who have made them, who are familiar with them. But over time, they could lose their meaning. Some people won't even know why they're doing what they were, what they are doing. Like me, fighting for bills. I didn't really know why I was doing it, and so I made it awkward for everybody. Well, two thousand years ago, Judaism was filled with tradition as well, but much of it had lost their meaning. The Pharisees developed many traditions to help people to be more godly. In fact, the Pharisees were known for their holiness. For example, the Bible、uh, commanded the priests to wash their hands before they went into the tabernacle, and they they thought, well, if that's good for going into God's presence, why not wash our hands all the time? Why not wash our hands every time、uh, we before we eat a meal? 
So before every meal, they washed their hands. That, that became a tradition for them. And that's why they complained to Jesus in verse 2. Why do you break? Why do your disciples break the traditions of the elders by not washing their hands before they eat? And Jesus' answer is clear. Your traditions are not the same as God's rules, God's commands. Jesus says, verse 3, why do you break the command of God for the sake of your traditions? He says, your rules are not God's rules. Verse 9, he calls these traditions mere human rules. Not only that, he points out that their traditions became a way through which they broke God's commands. God clearly commanded his people to honor their parents, father and mother. And if you break them, that it's, uh, it's at the uh, penalty of death. That was in the Ten Commandments. But people are using the traditions to break this command, to dishonor God and their parents. By saying, actually, the money that I could help you with, well, that's devoted to God. And so I don't have any money to help you. Their traditions were getting in the way of obeying God's law. Thus, Jesus says, verse 6, Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your traditions. You see, you see the problem here. There, the couple. First, did you notice how the Pharisees elevated their traditions, their words, their rules to the status of God's law, God's words? They confused the two. They might have said that this is the only interpretation of the Bible. But then when somebody says that, this is the only way to keep the law, that that interpretation becomes, has the same status as the Bible, maybe even higher status than the word of the Bible. That's why they took such offense when the disciples wa- didn't wash their hands. The bigger problem also was that these traditions became a way of breaking God's commands rather than obeying them. It was a way of assuring the world and to themselves that they were clean because their hands were clean when inside they were committing all sorts of sins. When we confuse human tradition with God's words, we, make, we can make the same mistake. We lose the meaning of the tradition, which is obedience to God's law, God's word. Because these traditions supersede, obscures God's word altogether. Human rules should not be confused with God's words. They shouldn't have equal status. During the time of the Reformation, there was only one church in the West, the Catholic Church, and they had the place of the Pharisees of the day. And like the Pharisees, They made up many traditions and rules, initially a way of interpreting the Bible. But the church, when the church claimed that these interpretations were the only interpretation, the only way, that they were the sole authority, their traditions replaced the Bible, the authority of the Bible. For example, it developed all these traditions around Lent, 40 days leading up to Good Friday and Easter, it commanded a strict fasting rule that everyone is supposed to eat one meal a day, one meal a day and no animal products or drinks that could be a meal. 
Lent was a season of repentance and fasting, so the rules were established. And the city of Zurich, the Catholic city, enforced these rules by law. But the time was changing. Ulrich Zwingli arrived as a priest of the city in 1518. And Zwingli loved the Bible. In fact, he was one of the first people who broke with the tradition of preaching from set of readings that the church gave him and filling his sermons with all the thoughts of the medieval theologians. He actually started in 1519 what we now call expository preaching. He declared that for the first time that he was going to preach from the Gospel of Matthew and just go through the book verse by verse. He was the father of what we now do here, expository preaching. Uh, He wanted to teach the Bible rather than the thoughts of other people who wrote about the Bible, the traditions around the Bible. And it was having radical effects. So when uh, this Lent came in 1522, there was plenty of people in the city who were breaking the Lenten fast, knowing that these rules were not in the Bible. But the city arrested and convicted one person that year for breaking the fast, a printer named Froschauer. He had a lot of work to do. He was a printer. To meet the demands of the work, he needed to eat meat, or he wanted to eat meat, and so he ate lots of sausages. That was the crime. He was then arrested, and he was convicted. So in response, Zwingli preached a sermon called Concerning Choice and Liberty Respecting Food on April 16, 1522. And in that sermon, he did the same thing that we see Jesus doing in Matthew 15, sharply distinguishing tradition from God's word, saying that they don't have this equal status, not not the same status about traditions, he wrote. Thus, they thought that they would seem good to God and please him, which they had attempted and which resulted in great disadvantage to them for no other reason, as I think, than that they had assumed to know good or the right and did not depend alone on God and trust alone in him. These traditions became a way for people um, to trust in the traditions, in what they thought was right and good, rather than depending on God's word alone, he says. He goes on to say, actually, that if we fast simply out of fear, of human commands and is to be considered as a divine command and thus trusted in where a man begins to please himself, it is not good and also injurious, he says. See, it's the same situation as in Matthew 15. People started to trust in these rules rather than trusting in the Bible alone. And they missed then the point of fasting, right? It was no longer important whether they're fasting for God or men. These traditions and rules became the way in which they obeyed God's law. And so God's law was lost. Fasting in secret was lost. Fasting being equated with God's justice, as Isaiah says, is lost. And it's no surprise that in that sermon, Zwingli quotes no other authority than the Bible. No church fathers, no Luther, no other writers. He just quotes the Bible. He quotes our text today 
15.10, what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that's what defiles them. He then moves on to Acts 10, when, where Peter is commanded to eat everything that God shows them. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6.12, all things are lawful, but not everything is beneficial. And then he goes on to 1 Corinthians 10.25, Colossians 2.16, 1 Timothy 4.1. He does all these things to remind the readers, remind the lis- listeners that only the Bible alone should be their authority. On that foundation alone should we build our lives. And he went one step further in that sermon by saying, actually, if anyone adds to God's word and, and have that equal Um, to God's word, then they sin. If the authority to interpret God's word um, is the sole authority, that person only, uh, that, that person alone has the authority, then that person also sins because that person is claiming equal authority or maybe superior authority to the scripture itself. And that sounds simple, but that actually then had all sorts of implications about what happened. The church's 1,500-year tradition, the Catholic Church's traditions, was in jeopardy. Their theology of veneration of saints, authority of the Pope and the church, the things that we talked about, idea of purgatory, the theology of salvations, where they were all being re-examined by Scripture alone. So the reformers reformed the church through the Bible. Well, this isn't about the Catholic Church. All churches do this. In every generation, in every church, we make up fresh traditions and fresh rules and claim them as if they were the same as God's word. Does the church actually have to be on Sundays? Where in the Bible, does it, uh, does, where in the Bible says that? The quiet time, our practice of reading the Bible, is it compulsory? Does it have to be done before uh, morning breakfast? Where is that commanded? In some countries, churches forbid people drinking alcohol altogether. Is that God's command or tradition? In Korea, good Christians are expected to go to early morning prayers at 5 a.m. I was never a good Christian. Well, it's not biblical, is it? Where in the Bible does it commands that? Is our life built on Scripture alone? But more importantly, I want to ask, can you distinguish the tradition from God's Word? Are you immersed in God's Word enough so that when the traditions come, can you distinguish whether that is from, uh, from the Bible or uh, some rules that people made up? 2,000 years ago, Pharisee, the people couldn't distinguish between Pharisees' words and the word of God. 1,500 years after that, during the time of the Reformation, people couldn't distinguish the Catholic Church's teaching from the word of God. Can we distinguish the, food, uh, distinguish the two? Let me just do a quick quiz here. Which of these do you think are not in the Bible? God helps those who help themselves. Money is the root of all evil. God will not give you more than you can handle. To thine own self be true. God works in mysterious ways. Well, the answer to that uh, is none. (laughs) None are in the Bible. If If we aren't reading the Bible, how will we be able to tell them apart? How will we build our lives upon the scripture alone? 
when we can't distinguish the two. But you might say, well, the Bible is a difficult book. I've tried reading it, but I need people's help. I need to read other people. I need the help of the tradition in order to understand it. And that's what the Catholic Church claimed, that this is an infallible book, and so therefore the church was the infallible interpreter of it. They were the sole interpreter and infallible interpreter. You might say, we don't have to go that far, but we pay you, Hugh, to teach us the Bible. We need help. And I want to say, yes, I appreciate your generosity and the church's support. (laughs) Um, And I try my best um, to do this, but but I am your servant here. I am here to help you to read the Bible, not to replace the Bible. The problem is when these authorities, these interpretations, or these charismatic pastors or teachers of God's word that replace the word of God altogether. That's where the danger lies. The Catholic Church thought that it was dangerous for people to read the Bible on their own, so they didn't want people to read the Bible. They kept it untranslated. They controlled how people would read it by giving them interpretations on it. It became the de facto authority. Zwingli disagreed. He believed that the Bible was clear and it was powerful that all should and could read it by themselves. In his booklet, The Clarity and Certainty of God's Word, he writes that God spoke powerfully. If you look at the Bible, God speaks powerfully to Abraham and Moses and Noah and all these people in the Bible, often telling them to do difficult things. And the point is that God spoke to them clearly, that there was no mistake in whether that was God's word or another word. And he says that we can hear God's voice clearly through the scripture because we have the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will help us illuminate these words and make these words come alive for us. He wrote, God's word can be understood by a man without any human direction. Not that this is due to a man's own understanding, but to to the light and spirit of God illuminating and inspiring the word in such a way that the light of the divine content is seen in his own light. God speaks clearly through his word, and we do not need human mediation. In fact, you can make the case that the Reformation didn't happen because of the Reformers. You can make the case, actually, the Reformation happened because of the Bible itself. Um, In this little magazine, The 100 Most Important Events in Church History, notes one of the most important events uh, as 1456 printing of the first Gutenberg Bible. Because it made the Bible available to everyone. Instead of having to hand copy every version, which was very costly, and also it took such a long time, they could print Uh, a Bible and give it to everybody uh, who wanted one cheaply and and quickly. Uh, The invention was the reason why Luther and Zwingli and Calvin and Kramer and others could all read the Bible for themselves. 
And it's no coincidence that only a generation after the invention of the, uh, of the Gutenberg uh, Bible, uh, Gutenberg printing press, the Reformation came. As people read the scripture together, these words came alive and it spoke to people clearly and powerfully. And so people started to protest against the papal authority, protest against the veneration of saints, indulgences, theology of works uh, plus uh, uh, faith came to an end because people read the Bible. Of course, we don't agree on every detail of the Bible, and often we need help in, in interpreting it, but the reformers all agreed that the things that are necessary for salvation, God's big plan is very clear to us if we actually engage with the scripture. But because we sometimes find it difficult to read, we often prefer um, reading other people's words than reading these words directly, don't we? The Catholics uh, turned to different uh, interpretations, different Catholic orders. The Benedictines, uh, Dominicans, Franciscans, you know, they, uh, or even uh, different popes and their teaching to help them guide, be guides of how uh, they should live. And we're the same, aren't we? Rather than reading the Bible, we often read books about the Bible by people that we trust. Tim Keller, John Piper, John Stott. This is what Zwingli says about that. He says, you fools. You go to God simply that he may distinguish between men, and you do not ask him to show you that way of salvation which is pleasing to him and which he himself regards as sure and certain. He says, you fool. You read everybody else, but you do not come to me to these living words. You go to these men to discern what this says, but you don't read the Bible yourself. Zwingli says, God, Christ, is the word of life, and he has revealed himself to you in these words. Come to him. Read the scripture by yourself, and God will make certain what he wishes you to know. And I hope you understand why we normally do expository preaching in this church. This expository preaching is the practice of going through books of the Bible, different books of the Bible in our church. It's because I'm confident that actually as we open up the scripture together each week, that it will be God through his words that will speak to us. That it's not my knowledge or it's not clever things that other people have written about God and God's word that it's God himself, through his words, will speak to us. And if you're moved and changed, then you know that it's God's word that's moving you and changing you. I want you to know the power of God's word. And Zwingli believed in slow reformation based on the power of scripture. At a time when people were smashing up idols, um, calling for revolutions, he relied on the power of God's word. He, instead of picking up arms, he argued that true reform comes by conversion of hearts, not the alteration of external practices. The power to change hearts is only found in the word of God, not in hammers, fire, or force. So he preached the word of God in the city of Zurich day in, day out trusting that in due time, God's word will go out and do its work. 
Zwingli loved to read the Bible, and because, uh, because from it, he heard the powerful and clear voice of God, and it changed the world. This is how Mike Reeves in the book, uh, Unquenchable Flames, puts it. He enjoyed what hardly anyone in the Europe had enjoyed for a millennium. He could read the very word of God, the real thing, the very words the Holy Spirit had given to the apostles to write. He was so excited, he copied most of Paul's letters and memorized almost the entire New Testament in Greek. And it wasn't just Zwingli. The common theme amongst all the reformers is their love for the scripture. No longer were they chained to the traditions and their interpretations. No longer did they have to hear God's word through somebody else's interpretation. They could hear God's voice directly. Friends, we all want to hear from God directly, don't we? We want to be changed by him and his voice directly, don't we? Well, pick up and read the scripture. Scripture alone isn't a Reformation principle, but a Christian principle. God's word is here. We should read it. We should know it. We should rely on it. We should build our lives upon it. The universe was created by God's word. And our lives and the world will be changed by these as well. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your word. That in it we, found, we find your plan for the world. In it we find your voice in this, in, in this world that needs it. Lord, help us to be students of your word. Help us to devote our time reading it and applying it. Help us to see the power and certainty of your word daily. We pray that our lives and all that we do in this church will be built on the foundation of Scripture alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.